millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello. Hello. No, I'm talking to the listeners. Oh. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> and welcome to the 10th episode of Ask Andrew. And you may have guessed, we have a special guest. And guest and guest rhyme. Did you notice that? And her name is Karen Kern, and she's my wife. The really wonderful thing about having her with me is that she's sort of the yin to my yang and balances out everything I say. So let's get right to the question for this episode 10 of Ask Andrew. And here it is. Why did Dorothy Sayers' adaptation of the Trivium become so popular? That's a great question because it has two parts to it, or it has an assumption behind it that we should address. It says, Dorothy Sayers' adaptation of the Trivium. That's interesting. It's not the Trivium, but her adaptation of the Trivium. So, Karen, what is her adaptation of the Trivium? How do you understand that? I understand that as her um, applying the trivium to, as she put it, the stages of a child's um, growing years, education. Um, so they... I'm she, sorry, I, I have to interrupt. Do, do you not... Do, does everybody not just feel like they're listening to the cutest voice <laughs> in the whole world? Sorry. Stop. Um She's applying those ideas in a fresh way to to coincide with the development of a child. And she's doing it at a time when the educational establishment was was gone amok already. And so people... Wait, wait, wait. She did this in the 40s. I thought the golden age was the 50s. Well, no, you always say that, that it started way before that to go downhill. Hmm. I must be right. Yeah, you well, must be right. Okay. Well, so go why on, don't we remember the question anymore? How, how did, how did, <laughs> why did Dorothy Sears' adaptation of the Trivium become so popular? Because it answered questions that people were, were desperate for answers for. And, you know, in, right in front of me, um, I have oh, sorry. these questions. That wasn't, that wasn't actually the question I asked you. The question I asked you was, and we'll get to that one, but the question I asked you was, what is her adaptation of the Trivium? And then you talked about the stages of a child's life. Right. So, so she, she focuses on the grammar stage and the logic stage and the rhetoric stage and how they coincide with the way a child thinks and expresses himself and takes in information and gives back information um, in a, depending on where they are in their development. So it's not the it's not technically speaking the traditional sort of classical trivium she's talking about. She's she's taking the grammar and lo- the arts of grammar, logic, and rhetoric, and saying, "Oh look, those correspond to the way a child grows. Let's teach them accordingly." I think that's what she was doing in this essay, and that people have adopted that and yeah. made that 
uh, the the main principle, identifying principle in a lot of classical schools. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell me, t- you were about to say some questions to answers. Oh, List so- those. And, and by the way, we only have about 12 or 13 minutes. And I want to I wanna say about 14 points on this. So make sure you only take out about nine of those minutes. Well, she asked she asked questions like this. Have you ever, in listening to a debate among adult and presumably responsible people, been fretted by the extraordinary inability of the average speaker to speak to the question, to meet and refute the arguments of speakers on the other side? Yeah, but that was before Facebook. Right. Now we've solved that problem. Well, listen to this one. Have you ever followed a discussion in the newspapers or elsewhere and noticed how frequently writers fail to define the terms they use? Huh. Have, do you ever find that young people, when they have left school, not only forget most of what they have learned, but forget also or betray that they have really ever known how to tackle a new subject for themselves? So all of those questions that were being asked in the 40s are being asked now, and the questions are even more desperate. Two things that stood out in what you just read. One is the how to tackle a new subject. How many people know how to do that? You know, even at work, somebody's given a new challenge and they 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 don't know what to do. And so in, in Dorothy Sayers' approach to the... And the other thing is just communication, defining terms and so on. So in Dorothy Sayers' approach to the trivium, she she's giving us ways to tackle new subjects. And... and you know, I, I listed three words as I was thinking about how I'd answer this question. Why is our adaptation so popular? I think the three words that came to my mind are insightful, simple, and powerful. She's got real insight in that and what Douglas Wilson calls the Sayers insight, right? She's she's really on to something when she talks about the stages of a child's development. Everybody, I think most people would agree that little children are a lot more comfortable with repetition. I don't think they memorize faster, but they're a lot more comfortable with repetition than we are, right? The, the grandchildren, they want us to read the same book over and over again. What's that? You always tell that story about when you were a little kid and your dad would try to skip pages. Oh, the cat in the hat. Yeah. What a dirty trick by a, by a father. <laughs> <laughs> and, then it, and then it's simple, right? What, what you can do with the, the, the trivium is, is you can say... Oh, look, three stages of a child's development. I can handle that. And, and as, as being so simple, it gives us access. It gives us access to, to, to some really profound insights about learning and about children's growth. And I think that, that simplicity is, is enormously appealing and accurate. And that's where the powerful comes in, how to tackle a new subject, things like that. Um, you look at you look at what you look at what um, Douglas Wilson, Laura Burquist, Susan Wise Bauer, and others have done uh, developing materials based on this pattern. It's powerful, and and look at the outcomes, look at the results. Children stepping through these stages are graduating from high school with better scores. If you want to reduce it to that, they're getting into the best colleges. It's a p- powerful approach, but but in my experience. What I like to see isn't so much just the you know academic credentials, but the personal development. It corresponds to the child's soul, so it doesn't interfere with it. As Sayers put it, you get to cut with the grain. So those are some thoughts that I had, but um, I think you had another question from Dorothy Sayers or something that you were going to pursue there. It looks like you're trying to get something said. 
No? Oh, I thought you were going to say something. See, I never could read her. Okay. So it's interesting. In the last in the last episode, episode nine, I and ten, or eight and nine rather, I discussed what a wis- what wisdom is and what a virtue is and how they're cultivated. And one of the things that I would suggest is that the Dorothy Sayers structure with its simplicity and power is a very, very useful tool to help us cultivate wisdom and virtue, or a very useful structure to help us cultivate wisdom and virtue in, in, uh, in kids. One of the things, though, that, that I would emphasize is that I would not make the Dorothy Sayers Trivium equal classical education. In other words, there's more to classical education than the, the, the stages of learning of the trivium. But what a great doorway into the church, if you like. What a great doorway into the castle or temple or palace or whatever. Um, there's, there's a lot more in cultivating wisdom and virtue than just those three stages. But it'd be hard to, it would be hard to um, just dismiss them. I think that sex, they are successful. the place encountering that those stages and the way she expresses it is a light bulb moment for people who are encountering it for the first time or being involved in a school. We get people coming into an open house or coming in to the school for an interview and they are hearing about classical education for the very first time. And when they hear about the three stages and how it relates to the development of a child, they know it to be true in their own experience as they've watched their own children. And so it's just a light bulb Eureka moment for these people. And then that's like getting their foot in the door. They say, yes, that's right. And then from there you can over time. And it's such a long long journey of understanding how we we nurture wisdom and virtue through stories and and all of the depth of classical education and then they can start to plumb those depths but learning about the trivium is the first the first thing they learn and the first thing they grasp and that they love that idea mm-hmm. that's what that's what it was for me absolutely in terms of my formal introduction to this renewal it was the Sayers essay in, in Douglas Wilson's book back in 1992 or three. Um, and, and you're emphasizing something that I really like too, which is way back in, in episode one of, of this renewed Ask Andrew, I talked about how we learn from the vivid and the clear to the obscure and the difficult and how even as I'm going through these episodes, I'm trying to consider in almost a, a, a concentric circular way, maybe a vault, a, 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 a hawk, attacking a mouse or something, going round and round and round. What is classical education? And you just sort of paralleled that. I started out with a very, very general statement. I hoped it was more or less vivid and clear, but I was making the point even in that episode that we go from the vivid and the clear from the caricature to the detailed understanding. And that, and, and, a, and I mean this positively, Dorothy Sayers gives us a workable caricature, something very vivid, something very clear, something very easy to hold on to, from which we can launch ourselves into the deeper waters. And I think that's a, a big, big part of why why it's so successful. Again, the question was why why did it become so popular? I think another reason is it had some really great champions. In Douglas Wilson's work, uh, National Review published it every year for a very long time. Um, Laura Burquist did some good work on it. Susan Wise Bauer's book, um, The Well-Trained Mind. 
the effectiveness of the ACCS schools. These were gigantic influences. But I, I want to, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to add this, and then we're going to switch to a smaller question. Actually, it's a bigger, smaller question, but I'll give it a short answer. And that is that um, it, in American society, and, and I think particularly in Christian America, there was a tremendous readiness. Um, generally speaking, in 1993 and four. Evangelical Christian schools weren't doing terribly well academically. And there was almost a, an understanding of the academic life and the spiritual life as two different things. And when the, when, when the um, Sayers conception of the trivium was combined with thought of Laura Burquist, Susan Weisbauer, Douglas Wilson, and others, um, but I think they're the three leaders in that era, um, all of a sudden there was a way to bring harmony to the academic and spiritual that schools could, could really relate to. A lot of schools wanted something like that. So I think the readiness for a more um, intellectually sound approach to education was, was great at the time. And we've seen the fruit of that. I was looking today at some comparisons between um, a couple schools. One was... A, what they called a contemporary evangelical or contemporary Christian school and the other was classical and the classical had standardized tests in the 1800s and the con- contemporary was in the 1500s. And I don't know, you know, that's one example and I don't know why that was exactly, but that's a common comparison. So, you know what, we, we have used up our time. So I'm going to, I'm going to address this second question very briefly and then we're gonna we're gonna wrap this session up, and then and then uh, next week we'll we'll have another one. And this question is one that I get a lot, so I want to give it more than just now. I want to give it more than just now. That's my wife, man. Never trust your wife with technology. Um, the question is how how would you begin to respond to those who question the classical approach because they believe it to be Eurocentric? and detrimental to or not applicable to children of color. They maybe even consider it a disservice to a child of color to be taught classically. I have a very, very simple answer to that question, but, but we'll develop it further later. For me, I stake everything in my belief about classical education on the idea that it is for human beings, as human beings, not for Westerners, not for Africans, not for Chinese, not for Russians, not for Latin Americans, but for human beings as human beings, and that it's universality and its attempt to cultivate the distinctively human qualities of a person, make it apply to everybody. Now, I'll develop that a little bit further in in a later episode, uh, but I want to start with that. And with that, Karen, thanks for joining me. Can I just say one thing? Yeah. Do we have time? I was thinking well, while we you don't, were talking. But you can say okay. It. So so because the I ideas the ideas of the of the trivium allow for a homeschool mother to to be able to feel equipped to educate their children without a box curriculum. Because if they have a preschooler and they're looking at where do I start? 
Well, you start with your child, not with a box that comes in the mail. Mm. You start, you are able to start with what you already have. You know that you want to memorize. So you memorize all the things that are in front of you. You, you can go with what your child loves. You don't have to go with what this curriculum says to do in kindergarten. Your kindergartner can study reptiles and get lots of books from the library on that and, and learn about these things very naturally without having to stress over now what do we do what what am i going to do next week and and it, it just allows a lot of freedom and confidence great confidence is a good thing for a teacher and a parent thank you welcome and to the listeners may the lord remember you in his kingdom and we'll see you next week Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.